Hi there, welcome to Advocate, a podcast channeled by ASEAN Parliamentarian for Human Rights or APASIA, where we focus on discussing some of the most pressing issues across Southeast Asia. Over the last few weeks, we have been discussing the topics of freedom of religion and belief in our latest series, which we are calling Restating Diversity. Religious minorities and vulnerable groups became targets one laws fail to protect them and their rights. In our episode today, we are focused on blasphemy laws and look specifically at Myanmar and Indonesia. Both countries use blasphemy laws as a tool to suppress dissent and encourage the weaponization of the law. My name is Jo, an APHA member from Myanmar. Today, I am joined by two guests who will share their experience and understanding of blasphemy law in their respective countries. Blasphemy laws are an issue that often goes to the detriment of fundamental rights, such as freedom of expression in Muslim countries like Indonesia, Malaysia or Brunei, but also in Buddhist Myanmar, where disrespecting Buddhism or the monastic community can land its citizen in jail often on the most various grounds. Blasphemy laws are interlinked with issues such as hate speech and social media. Left without proper oversight, these laws are open to interpretation and can have dangerous impacts. Proponents of blasphemy laws often argue that these laws are needed to keep the peace between religious groups and within society and punish those who insult the sacred but Yusuf has found that to the contrary, these laws not only exacerbate religious hatred, but enable state discrimination and at times foment societal violence against religious minorities in particular. Our conversations begin in Myanmar. With this military coup, what we have you know, um, noted that is, if, uh, especially if you are against military you know, uh, actions or like the, uh, the SAC, the State Administrative Council, you know, under the military regime, uh, regardless of your religion and your sort of like, you know, uh, which ethnicity you belong to, you know, uh, you will be mainly targeted under, you know, uh, the military, you know, uh, different tactics, especially the very inhumane human rights violations. And this include the human rights violations, uh, especially, you know, including the freedom of religion and belief as well. The experiences of freedom of expression in Myanmar, as it currently exists, are one amounting to life or death under the military junta according to our first guest, Sang. Hello, uh, I'm Sang. Previously, I'm with uh, International Commission Juries for about like four years. Uh, but for the moment, I am an independent consultant and also a board member of South Asia uh, Freedom of Religion and Belief in our own uh, network. And I have been working on freedom of religion and belief issue in Myanmar since 2018. Regionally speaking, saying, especially since the coup, freedom of expression has deteriorated rapidly over the last two years in Myanmar. Can you tell us what the situation looks like on the ground at the moment? In current situation, there are definitely absence of law and there is no rule of law. So 
rights, uh, especially your right to religious freedom, were you know are limited or uh, like violated by you know uh, those you know uh, military authorities. Uh, but you still can't do anything or like suggesting for that, uh, meaning that the impunity uh, culture in Myanmar has been entrenched, you know, not only in the ethnic and you know, religious you know, minority area, but also in uh, majority Burmese-centric area as well, especially, you know, um, Buddhist uh, religious you know, leaders, including the monks, those are also targeted. Can you explain exactly what you mean by that, Sang? How does the military target people with opposing religious beliefs in Myanmar? Previously, uh, the military regime, you know, even before the military coup, people belonging to Islam, you know, are known as like a Muslim people. They are the community which has been the most persecuted uh, communities. Uh, so meaning that, you know, including Rohingya populations in Myanmar, you know, um, uh, those were sort of like the most persecuted. But with the military you know, uh, coup happening in Myanmar, what we have noted is uh, there are increasingly more and more targeted attacks towards the Christian, you know, uh, religion as well. As you can see from uh, Myanmar news, you know, uh, many of the worship places uh, that is affiliated to like Christianity uh, has been targeted and, you know, attacked by the military, such as like destruction of uh, religious, you know, a building, uh, like a Christian religious building in Chin State, in Gachin State, or in even Kaya State. With all the ongoing hostilities, Myanmar's use of blasphemy laws is even more concerning. How does the junta apply these laws in the country? And what communities, saying are the most affected? As you know, Myanmar has been also practicing a lot of the hundred colonial years or like penal code section still. A number of laws in Myanmar, uh, if you think, uh, you know, um, and review it and analyze it carefully, is actually, you know, um, limiting the enjoyment of uh, the right to freedom of religion and belief, uh, you know, in accordance with the international, you know, uh, human right law. Especially those, you know, um, very much colonial era uh, penal code <laughs> laws, you know, uh, that are really now, you know, uh, we consider it as a blasphemy law, really still a part of like a penal code section, you know, in Myanmar. And they have been used by uh, various actors, including from uh, the government and you know, our state itself, um, meaning, you know, even before the military coup. So we have like a democratic you know, our government. So they are they also employ such law, you know, to criminalize, uh, you know, the criticism of religion particularly the Buddhism. And uh, the actors, you know, are employing such laws are not only like a state, you know, um, and especially before the military coup, you know, uh, there are some religious leaders even using those laws to criminalize the criticism of religions, uh, such as like Islam. And how have these dynamics specifically changed since the coup? It is very very difficult to like monitor how the court has been you know employing such law but previously what we can definitely say is you know um, the Myanmar court had convicted you know um like individuals under the blasphemy provisions you know even when there is no such evidence you know of like a deliberate and malicious intent to insult a religions which are really much very like based on very vague, you know, um, sort of like uh, evidences or or like, uh, you know, um, uh, supposedly, you know, considered as an incitement, you know, so people have been simply like uh, held criminal responsibility just because, you know, of what they have either said or written or like drawn or something like that. They were judged to be at odds with the religious interpretation. So especially of the influential like a uh, religion or like a state authority. So 
that has been the situation in the past. Yeah, to be honest, you know, uh, current situation, you know, uh, the usage of the blasphemy law uh, monitoring has been very, very challenging at the moment. Has Myanmar's national unity government, a pro-democracy government established by the people after the coup, addressed the state of blasphemy laws in the country? I don't think I, I, I have seen any sort of like a blasphemy law related, you know, uh, statement, but, you know, only related to 1982 citizenship law because they were sort of like pressed, you know, um, against the Rohingya issue, you know, like people have been poaching on this issue, you know, um, uh, 1982 citizenship law, but not much have been discussed about like the blasphemy law because, yeah, because, you know, everyone's attention is on the whole general uh, sort of like violation rather than, you know, you know the medical sort of like a perspective. Right. So given all the complexities and multiple crises unfolding in Myanmar, Sang, can you tell us what is your hope and your recommendation for justice? First of all, as a human rights person, you know, my stance is I will stand with people, you know, uh, who have the most, you know, are persecuted, you know, and uh, who need the their voice to be heard uh, the most, you know. Uh, so that's like my stance. That's why I go with the religious and I you know uh, minority because even before the military coup, you know, uh, they have been the most persecuted uh, without, you know, uh, voice, you know, being heard, you know, so much. Um, after the military coup, especially, you know, um, aside from like the Rohingya minority, you know, uh, many of the ethnic and, and religious minority voice has, I don't know, like finding so much of a challenge uh, for uh, the international community to be heard. Our next guest has studied blasphemy laws extensively particularly in his own home country of Indonesia. I'm Zainal Abidin Bagir. I teach at Universitas Gajah Mada. I'm the director of the Indonesian Consortium for Religious Studies. Well, in, in the university, I teach um, a number of courses, but one of them is religion and human rights. So I'm especially interested um, on the issue of blasphemy law, because I think this is um, a very central law, um, which, well, in short, um, creates problems in the religious life in, of Indonesians. It's really great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to talk about a new criminal code that was just passed in Indonesia. Can you share your insights on what this means for blasphemy laws in the country? When I say the new article has weakened the old one, I can speak especially to context. One, in terms of the action, the definitions of the action, um, which is criminalized, now it is less subjective. Um, in the old um, article, it has expressions like um, expressing feelings and then uh, abuse and defamation of religion, which can be interpreted very broadly. Well, the article in the new criminal code uses a term which is more common in human rights documents, um, especially referring to Article 20 of ICCPR, that is any advocacy of national, uh, racial or religious hatred that constitutes incitement to discrimination, hostility or violence. What does this mean in terms of punishment? It reduces the maximum punishment from five to three years of imprisonment. How significant is this? Well, 
probably not too significant, but we have to understand this um, in relations to the definitions of the action. And in any case, um, from five to three years of imprisonment, uh, that is somewhat um, a kind of um, um, weakening of the article. So I think in, in conclusion, I think it, in general, the new article has weakened the old blasphemy provision, but unfortunately it does not get rid of it um, completely. Can you tell us what is the history of blasphemy laws in Indonesia? And how is it different from other countries in the region, such as Thailand or Cambodia? Actually, if you see the case of Indonesia, it was not used a lot um, until, uh, I mean, before the reformasi, before the democratizations in 1998, um, according to some research. Um, so this law, uh, it was created in 1965, but until um, 1998 or early 2000, um, it was used only probably at most 10 times. Um, around that um, number, but um, it was used more frequently after that. So it is interesting, and probably it sounds paradoxical that the blasphemy law um, was used more after democratization. But I think it's related to the fact that after democratization, there is less restriction um, in terms of freedom of expressions and um, blasphemy law is um, a law which limits expressions, which limits um, opinion. What we see in Indonesia is that after um, 1998, there were the, there were many new groups um, which want to dominate the scene. And actually, um, some of these are groups which could not even exist before 1998, but because of the freedom um, they, they could exist, but then they use this law to marginalize um, <clears throat> other groups. Um, and I think this is one of the one of the bad things about blasphemy law. And we can see it in many other countries as well. It has been used um, usually by a group which is powerful, not always majority, um, but groups which has uh, more power and um, to marginalize um, the more vulnerable groups. Can you tell us how dangerous these laws are when implemented on the ground, especially for minority groups and general citizens in Indonesia? Is there any example that you want to highlight or want the audience to know about in Indonesia on blasphemy laws? And how do you think this new criminal code might change that? I mean, the main argument for blasphemy law and in general for any attempts to limit freedom of expression is to maintain public order. Or in Indonesia, the main term used for it is harmony. So in order to have harmony, we have to limit expressions, um, etc. But I think this is a flawed argument because um, what we have seen is that this kind of law does exactly the reverse. I'm referring here to the, to the um, blasphemy law, but it would also be the same with the new law if it's interpreted too broadly or too loosely. And that is the importance of making um, a real, really tight um, um, guidelines. So I think it does not help harmony, but it destroys harmony because um, this law, and this is not only the experience of Indonesia, um, but also blasphemy laws in many other countries, it gives incentive to intolerant groups. Um, or people who have certain political or other economic interests. Th this is a legal weapon to criminalize others. 
um, based on most of the time dubious um, accusations. It creates um, what the author Cherry and George, um, for example, calls as head spin. So it it um, yeah it helps um, ugly political entrepreneurs to achieve their goals. And are there any examples of cases that stand out in particular regarding blasphemy laws and their implementation in Indonesia? The case of Meliana um, a few years ago, um, a woman, ordinary woman who, yeah, basically she only um, states her objection um, of the loud um, noise coming from the um, call to prayer in in um, her neighborhood. But then through the process of what I mentioned earlier, hate spin, it becomes, I mean, it, it's, it becomes um, chaos. Um, people then burn houses of worship of the minority groups, of course. And then um, this woman was brought to the court and she was imprisoned. And this comes only from informal conversation in the market between her and her neighbor. So it's it's really something um, which was not meant to harm other people. Yeah, I think that that is probably one of the um, examples. This is because, again, the judge, I mean, the police, um, the attorney, the judge, um, they interpret um, the so-called defamation of religion broadly. So even people saying that um, I'm disturbed um, by the noise, um, that becomes a kind of um, defamation of religion. But in this new criminal code, you have to look at more elements. Um, is there incitement to what? To um, discrimination, violence, hostility. And it's clear, um, I think, <clears throat> that um, there is no such thing here. We can see without a doubt, thanks to our informed and esteemed guests, the impacts that blasphemy laws have across Southeast Asia but specifically in Myanmar and Indonesia. Given the rise of authoritarian across the region, this is even more cause for concern. One laws became weapons used to advance agendas that discriminate, people became more vulnerable to statewide oppression. Policymakers in ASEAN have moral and diplomatic obligation to uphold the rule of law in line with democratic norms and principles. Doing so will ensure a country citizen can live freely and be treated fairly regardless of their religious belief. A patient latest report, Restating Diversity, maps legislation on freedom of religion or belief in Southeast Asia in more detail. You can access it at our website or in the description link of this podcast episode. This episode was written and produced by Mackie Quatrini with editorial input from Lola Leviton. The International Panel of Parliamentarians for Freedom of Religion or Belief supports a walk on this topic.